Hey, what's up guys? Thank you for joining me today. My name is Dr. Tom LaHue and uh, we are going to be talking about Enneagram Type 6 and we are going to be talking about the uh, levels of health or self-mastery uh, for Enneagram Type 6. Our discussion is coming from the Bringing Out the Best in Everyone You Coach by Ginger Lapid Bogda. And um, I thank you for joining me today. I do feel a little self-conscious today. Um, I'm getting some teeth worked on, so I'm missing a couple of teeth today. But they'll be back, you know, within, you know, hopefully a couple of weeks. But whatever, the show must go on. Anyway, so um, if you're new to my channel, thank you for joining me. Uh, in the description below, you can find out more information. Also, there's a link to my website. I do offer coaching appointments for people who want to know more about their Enneagram type or how to move to health or how to get along with the people in their lives. Um, and uh, if you want to reach out to me, I, 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 would, I love, love hearing from you guys. Also on my website, um, which is in the description below, on my website, um, there's a, a couple of new, uh, new items. Uh, for one, I'm excited about my daughter, Madison. Um, Madison uh, has uh, become the CEO of her own company. Okay, so Madison has Down syndrome. And Madison, by the way, is a four, wing three, social four. And uh, she um, started a, a calendar making company. So every year, Madison produces a calendar, and there's her picture right there. She goes by Maddie. Uh, she doesn't go by her name, Madison. She's mysterious and goes by Maddie. But Madison makes uh, a calendar every year um, by taking pictures around the state of Florida, and, uh, and then she decides which one she wants and selects them, and uh, then you know comes up with, with a, a couple of words to put on each on each page but anyway it's a beautiful calendar and uh, uh, every year she makes them they're on my website if you want to support Madison and uh, you want to uh, show your love uh, you can click on the link and on the website and and support Madison also uh, there's links on my on my website uh, on my description sorry to my other daughters uh, Enneagram channels Grace uh, and Kaylee have been featured on many of my videos and uh, they have their own YouTube channels and uh, are producing great content. Grace, of course, is an eight and Kaylee is a nine. And so many of you guys connect with them and uh, I'd love for you to check out their YouTube channels as well. Um, also, you'll notice on my webpage, um, I am uh, at the request of, of many of you, I am starting a certificate program in uh, Enneagram coaching. So uh, this will be live uh, uh, class sessions on Zoom. It'll be six week program. And uh, I've, the cost is very affordable for anybody that wants to be trained on how to use the Enneagram to help and encourage and inspire others to be the best that they can be. It's not going to be a, a class on what is the Enneagram all about. You've got all these videos of mine on YouTube uh, for that information, but if you wanna um, learn how to use the Enneagram to bring out the best in others and to coach others or help others, pastoral care, um, counseling, whatever field you're in, or if you just, you know, over coffee, want to help your friends. 
I would love for you to consider that program. Um, more information will be coming. You can't register yet, but you can see when the cohort start dates are and uh, you know begin thinking about where it might fit on your calendar. So more information will be coming on the website soon. So let's talk about, and by the way, thank you to my patrons. I really appreciate your support as well. All right, let's get into it. Enneagram type six and levels of health. First of all, let me say I love sixes, okay? I love everybody, but I love sixes. And um, I have a special place in my heart for sixes. My mom is a six. One of my daughters, Olivia, is a six. Of course, I have a very strong six wing um, myself as a seven wing six. Um, and I have a lot of friends, a lot of people in my life over the years that, uh, that are sixes. I, I feel like I understand what's going on with sixes. Six wing sevens, six wing fives. Um, I feel like I understand what's going on. So um, thank you for um, uh, watching this video. I hope it helps you. And if you live with a six, I hope that it will encourage you um, and help you learn to relate even better with the six in your life. All right, so let's talk about the low three levels of health. All right, the lowest level of health the mid-level of health, and the highest level of health. So the lowest level of health is called, I hate to say it, but I didn't write the book. It's right there, okay? The coward, all right? The lowest level of health for the six is called the coward. The mid-level of health is the loyalist or the loyal friend, and then uh, the loyal supporter, you could say. And then the highest level of health is the courageous one. And remember, of course, sixes, the, the passion or the sin of the sixes, fear. And so in an effort to mitigate these fears or this anxiety, which can become tumultuous in the head and spiral out of control, um, sixes usually tend to sort of try to mitigate these fears by either one, building relationships and staying connected to a team of supporters, um, two, following the rules, following some kind of rule uh, or organized structure or tradition. Uh, and if I follow that rule or follow those guidelines, then I'll be on the safe side. Uh, or And the third thing is planning and strategizing and forecasting uh, anything that could go wrong and trying to preempt that by making plans. Um, okay, so let's talk about what the author says about the lowest level of health, okay? Uh, the core fear at this low level of health is of having no support, of uh, no sense of meaning, and being unable to survive. And of course, I think all of us would have to admit that if that's true, that's terrible. That's got to be a terrible thing to fear that uh, you have no support. To be afraid that no one's going to be there to support me. Nobody's going to be there to watch my back and make sure that I'm going to be okay. That's got to be a horrible feeling. I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, I have a six wing. I sometimes can sort of, you know, uh, feel a little bit of that. But I don't think I have any ability as a seven positive outlook, reframing everything. I don't feel like I have any real ability to really understand what that feels like or what that's like to live with that every day. That fear of having no support, like um, um, not going to be able to survive, like there's wolves in the, in the, in the woods, there's an ax man coming, you know, and it's gonna chop down my tree. There's wolves in the, in the woods that are gonna get you. Um, you know, everybody might be out to get you. 
that's got to be an awful feeling at that low level. And I'm sure as sixes that you've had your your times that you've experienced that anxiety and experienced that fear. And I just want to say that that sounds like, you know, that's got to be hard to live with, hard to deal with. Sixes with low self-mastery display extreme amounts of anxiety and frenzy as they go about trying to make their frightening worlds less dangerous. Okay, uh, they engage in continuous worst-case scenario development, um, you know, sort of spiraling down, thinking, well, well if this happens, what? I, it, it's kind of like, I think of sixes, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think of sixes as like maybe four steps away from being homeless, like in their head, like it's just four steps away from being homeless. If, if, if I don't get this paperwork done, I could lose my job. And if I lost my job, I wouldn't be able to pay my bills. If I can't pay my bills, I'm going to lose my car, and then I'm going to lose my house. And and it's kind of like boom, boom, boom. It's like this snowball. And so that could become very overwhelming really quick. Um, and then if people, if you start to share that with people and they they don't have a good sense of, of how frightening that could be and they tell you to just blow it off or it's no big deal or I think you're making too much out of it. I think a six might feel like, well, you're not taking this seriously. And if you're not taking this seriously, then you're not the kind of person that can support me. That just further proves to me that I'm going to be a person without any support. Um, notice in this, in this text, she says that they, sixes might tend to project, project imagining all of the bad things that could happen to them. Now, projection is an interesting concept. Uh, projection is when, you know, the fear is living with inside you. And so you broadcast that out as if the other person is causing it, as if the other person is making you feel that way. In other words, the fear lives within you because you are a six. The fear lives within you, but then you kind of then label that out on other people that they're the ones causing that fear. It's it's because of their mannerisms. It's because of their gestures. It's because they won't take a stand. It's because they won't uh, speak clearly, or it's because they're being too abrupt. They're being too harsh, or they're or they're being um, they're being um, um, uh, deceptive in some way, or they're not being completely forthright or direct, or they're being too direct. And, it, and so, in a sense, sometimes people might feel like they can't win with you because if they're too direct or if they're not direct enough, you might label that, well, it's their behavior that's causing me to be afraid. It's their behavior. It's their lack of integrity or their lack of honesty or their... And so a person might feel like, I don't know what to say because if I... And because it's really not about them. See, that's what projection is, is the, the fear or the problem or the, the twist, the turmoil is in internal in you, but it gets attached to the other person as though they're the ones causing it. Now, contrast projection with insight. Contrast projection with insight. Insight is the positive side of projection. Let's say that's the negative insight would be the positive insight would be there really is something about the other person that is off like maybe they're not willing to look you in the eye or maybe they're not willing to be clear and and decisive in what they're saying and then you as a problem solving um you know uh, ob observing 
insightful person because of your intuition and your insight you're picking up on something that is not exactly right about that person now that that's insight and that is objective and it's something or more objective let's say that it's more objective and you're picking up on it uh, because the, the other person is actually doing something that's provoking some type of intuitive fear objectively projection would be the negative and that is it lives within you and you just throw it out there and and think that you're being insightful when actually you're just broadcasting your fear out on others okay and that may be i think difficult to to determine whether or not you're a person who has great insight or whether you're a person that's just projecting your fears on others and i don't know i don't know what exactly you would do in order to establish um, whether you're just insightful or whether you're projecting your fears. But I think I would say it like this, at least. In your lowest level of health, you may be more inclined to project fears rather than to be insightful. You might think you're being insightful. You probably do think you're being insightful. When actually, you might just test yourself. Am I being insightful? Or am I just projecting my fears like sixes might be prone to do? Okay, interesting stuff. Um, they, they imagine that all the bad things that could happen to them and believe that the creations of their imagination are completely true. So that's interesting to think about is how much of the stuff that you're really upset, frustrated, worried about, cautious about, how much of it is actually objectively something you, you, you could be worried and concerned about? And how much of it is just maybe your imagination is running away with you? Remember, you're a thinking type and you're right in the center, which means oddly enough that you're cut off from thinking not that you're not a thinking type believe me you are a thinking type you you, you spin 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 that's what the whole idea of worst case scenarios is is you're like overthinking things cut off from thinking means you you're feeling fear or anxiety and so you're thinking about what action you need to take in order to compensate that fear or to alleviate that fear but sometimes that process believe it or not, is like devoid of, of critical thinking. It's like if you could engage your critical thinking, you might realize, okay, I don't really have anything to be afraid of yet. I might be making more of this than, than it really is. My subjective fears are getting the best of me. When I actually objectively look at what was said or look at what the uh, situation is in front of me, there might not really be an objective reason to be this anxious yet. Um, but my mind is getting away from me. My feelings of fears are provoking actions or thought about actions that, that maybe are not appropriate at this point yet. So my, my imagination is getting ahead of me. And then that, um, that's what the projection is, is those imaginations become like, they become like, you're feeling like those, those are real of, of what could possibly happen. And, and then you start acting on, on as if those imaginations were, were legitimate. And they're not yet. They're not legitimate yet. Um, they're imaginations. That's the old, I guess, definition of imagination. <laughs> okay. All right. So... With a tendency toward paranoia, remember this is the lowest level of health, okay? So don't, don't think, oh, well, Dr. Tom says that we're paranoid. I need to put something in the comments. I'm not paranoid. What makes you think I'm paranoid? Remember, this is the lowest level of health, all right? 
Um, sixes can become clingingly dependent. All right, that makes sense. If you felt like, you know, there's a monster under the bed. Uh, by the way, I think I do say monster. I, I need to change that to monster, but I've always, all my life said monster. If there's a monster under your bed, um, why wouldn't you be clingy? You know, right? You grab your teddy bear. You you grab mom and dad and want them, you know, close to you because there's a monster under my bed. Um, so they become clingingly dependent, which realize, you know, some personality types do not like people that are clingingly dependent. Many, especially fives, you know, um, and, you know, maybe some nines and maybe some sevens, uh, they may not do well with, with somebody that's, that's um, needy, that's clingy, you know, because sevens want freedom, fives want their space, nines don't want problems and don't want, you know, no, none of those types really want to be intruded on and that might feel very intrusive. So clingingly dependent, uh, panicky, and punitive. In other words, we're going to punish you. Um, panicky and and punitive. Um, so imagine, I mean, imagine a marriage where the your partner is clingingly dependent, panicky, and punitive. Um, so you say, I'm going to go out to the store and pick up a couple of things. Now that's a harmless statement. Shouldn't invoke any panic or dread or fear in in your mate. But if you're a low functioning, low health, anxious, worried six, they might hear something you're not saying. I'm gonna go for a while to the store to pick up a few things and then you leave. What is that low health six? What's going to go through their mind? Clingingly dependent. Well, why, why didn't they ask me to go? Why, why did they leave me at home? Well, what am I supposed to do? Um, and then panicky. Um, well, I wonder where they're going. I wonder, I wonder, they didn't tell me what store they're going to. Are they going to Piggly Wiggly? Are they going to Walmart? Are they going to Winn-Dixie? Are they going to Publix? Where are they going? Kroger? Where are they? Um, I need to check on my phone. I can't find them on Find My Friends on my phone. I need to text them. I need to, look at how panicky that is. And then punitive. I can't believe they just walked out and didn't tell me where they were going. This is ridiculous. I can't believe that they did this to me. They left me at home. They didn't tell me where they were going. They didn't leave a note. They, I don't know where. They could be dead. They could be in a gutter. They could be rolled off the side of the road. Uh, maybe they're seeing. Maybe they're seeing some other uh, uh, other person. Maybe they're not interested in me. This could be the end of my marriage. Uh, well, they're not going to do this to me. I'll show that. Okay. Now again, that's extreme. Okay, and that's my perception of what that might look like. Maybe it doesn't look anything like that. I don't know, but I'm just reading the text here saying clingingly dependent, panicky, and punitive. And I think of that scenario, that's what that might look like. And of course, the other person would think of themselves as completely innocent. I didn't do anything. I literally just said, I'm going out to the store to pick up a couple of things. I need to get some charcoal. I need to get some lighter fluid. I need to get some steaks. What did I do wrong? And you might meet them at the door. Where were you? I called you. You didn't answer. I thought you were in a gutter somewhere. I didn't know what happened to you. I called three times. Didn't you get my... And the other person is like, gosh, 
man, I can't live with this. And it could develop real problems. And what objectively did the other person do that was so bad? They would think, I didn't do anything. I didn't do nothing. I just went to the store. I told you I was going to the store. Good grief. Okay. That's the kind of scenario that runs in my mind. Looking for solace, they find little because they reject anyone who disagrees with their worldview or dares to offer an opinion contrary to theirs. Now, before you disagree with that, <laughs> okay, uh, you might be inclined to disagree with that, which is exactly what it says you'll do, right? Of a low, healthy six is that might be disagreeable. Uh, with anybody that dares offer a different opinion. And I think sixes, they are team players, okay? Sixes are team players as long as they feel like you're on the team. But what, what happens when they feel like you're not on the team? And, you know, this can happen to nines. Nines, remember, they are the referees, which means they're not wearing a team jersey. They see all sides. They see both sides. And sixes could be upset with nines because they might think the nine is taking the other view or taking the other opinion. They're not on my team. When the nine literally isn't on anybody's team. The nine is a referee. They don't necessarily see it has to be one way or the other. And so if you're a six and you're married to a nine, you know, you might say, look, uh, the, 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 the party that I'm voting for that's the only way you can vote. How could you vote any other way? I don't understand. This is ridiculous. And the nine is literally stuck in the middle, right? Because nine see both sides and they might agree with you. Well, yeah, that's the way I vote too. But you know, this other party over here, they've got a lot that makes sense too. And the six might see that as, well, you're not on my team. You're, you're on the enemy's team. You're on the other side. I can't, I can't associate with you. I can't be with you. And the nine might be bewildered that, well, I'm not, I'm not taking any side. And the nine's not, because nines often don't take sides. They see both sides. They are referees, but they might look like they're wearing the other team's jersey. And I think a six, they want to know you're on their team. They want to know that you understand what they're concerned about, that you appreciate, you know, what they see as problems, that you that you're willing to walk into the forest with them, take them by the hand and, and help them make their way out of the scary forest and, and back to a, you know the bright meadow. I don't think sixes need you to solve their problems. I mean, sixes, you guys are the problem solvers. You are, you and fives, man, you're problem solvers. But sometimes the six needs a, a partner um, kind of like a sparring partner. The eight has a sparring partner. Eights want to wrestle and spar, and th th we think they want to fight, but they don't. They, they just want to spar. Sixes need kind of a debate partner, you know? Well, what about this? And what do you think about this? Well, does this make sense? And, and you might think, gosh, you know, I, I, I don't want to have to think about all this. I, I think life should be easy. I think it's going to work out great. I think it, it's going to, you know, take care of itself. It's going to be simple. And, and that's not entering into the dark forest. And I think if you're with a six or you love a six or you're raising a six or you're married to a six or your mom is a six or whatever it is, I think you have to demonstrate some willingness to walk into the dark forest with them um, and, and take them by the hand and, and just kind of 
join them on the journey out. And, and that doesn't look like, well, I don't think this is a problem. I don't think you need to worry about it. I, I think it's going to be fine. That's you standing on the edge of the forest saying, hey, get out of the dark forest. Why are you in a dark forest? That's not helpful. Helpful is entering in, sort of, let's say, weep with those that weep, not scold those that weep or or reprimand those that weep. Kind of go into the forest and say, yeah, you know, hmm, you got a point there. I mean, if if you lost your job, that would be awful. I mean, you could lose your house. Yes, you understand. Yes. And see, you made this connection with them. You took them by the hand. You validated that, that if that worst case scenario happened, that would be horrible. Okay, now from that position, what can you do to help kind of walk the six out um, of that worst case scenario? Okay, that's the way I think about it. All right, so one of the things that can help, I think, a six at this point is leaning on their seven. Again, sixes have a seven and a five on either side of them, which are designed to help alleviate the stress of life. So that seven wing might say a few things to you, not the least of which might be, is there a different way we could think about this? You know, sevens always want to do it a different way. They want to go in and order something at the menu and then the next time order something different. I mean, we need to try it all. Sevens want to try it all. Sevens want to do things differently. Okay, so as a six, you tend to be locked into a certain way of doing things. You, you are the traditionalist often. And so you might lean on your seven wing and say, well, maybe there's a different way I could think about this. Maybe instead of just this worst case scenario. And of course, sevens are positive thinkers. They tend, we tend to be positive people that say, ah, it's probably going to work out fine. They're going to love you. They're going to think it's great. It's going to be awesome. Get out there on the stage. Do your best. You get a pie in the face. No big deal. Sixes, you know, if you're wrong, the ground opens up and swallows you. Asteroids fall from the sky on your head and it's over. If you're wrong, it's over. Life is over. Again, three steps, four steps away from being homeless. Actually, probably sevens are really three or four steps away from being homeless and don't realize it, don't pay attention to it, and think, wow, now it's going to be fine. Um, so sixes, you have that seven wing. You know, that line there is, is such a line of demarcation that seven, positive, it's going to work out great, it's going to be fine, they're going to love it. Yeah, get a pie in the face, no big deal, just laugh it off, you know, who cares? You get up, you try again, you start over again, now you live and you learn, you know. And then the six... Catastrophe. If you fail, it's over. It, it, this is probably not going to work out. Where I'm going to end up with with nothing. And it's like you need each other. Sevens and sixes need each other because the seven needs to exercise some caution and think things through and recognize that you know bad things do happen. And uh, you know before you. Before you go spend all your money, realize that you need to stop and think because you got to pay it back. So six needs the positive mini ideas, the outlook, the reframing of the seven, and sevens need the caution of the, of the six. And of course, six also has the five to look at things more objectively because sixes can tend to sort of spiral down in their imaginations to panic and dread. And if you could just get out of that a second and look at things more objectively, 
you know, and listen to what was actually said, not, not what am I interpreting what was said, that objective view of the five, uh, where it's just data and analysis of data rather than introspection and worst case scenario thinking could help pull you up and say, well, actually, you know, as I look around and look objectively at the world, I'm not homeless and I still have a job. And all they said was, is that we're going to be making some cuts around here. They didn't say I was going to lose my job. So until they say I'm going to lose my job, maybe I don't need to worry about this. I think I'll go back to nine, my place of, of health and just be at peace. Okay. So, um, let's see. All right. That's the lowest level of health. And, uh, let's talk about the mid level, the mid level of health. Uh, self-mastery is called the loyalist and sixes can be very loyal teammates you know loyal to their team loyal to the people that are on the inside loyal friendly outgoing uh, upbeat positive warm charming people but something about sixes you know they're called the loyal slash skeptic and I think that's appropriate because sixes are they're loyal first of all because that's what they want you to be Sixes need people around them that they believe are going to be there for them. And so they they take that kind of thing very seriously because they want people that are going to be loyal to them. They want to believe that they're on a team of people that are loyal with a captain, a you know, a chief, a boss that's loyal to them, that has their best interest at heart. And so they want to believe they're in this safe community of people that are all loyal to each other. Of course, the hard thing here is that I don't know that sixes ever get to the point that they really feel like like that they've achieved that. There's always this little bit of suspicion that, you know, maybe these people really won't be there for me. Maybe this boss really isn't looking out for my best interest. So as, as loyal as they are, there's this skeptical edge. There's this suspicious edge to sixes where they, they do kind of always doubt whether or not people are going to be what they say they're going to be. And, and, and that's appropriate. I mean, that really is appropriate. That's not, that's not a slight. I mean, people do let you down. It's just, I think, the other personality types may not spend as much time thinking about this. Eights probably kind of expect that, yeah, people are out to get you, so you need to be ready, you know. Um, and then probably nines and sevens and you know maybe some twos might be a little naive and think oh no people are great they're never going to hurt you you know and so we might be a little naive uh, a little childlike um and probably fours recognize that people are probably going to hurt you and turn against you and so you might as well just face that as a reality um Fives just limit their needs for people and say, I, I don't need people, so it doesn't matter. Um, but we all have ways of dealing with this issue. I think that sixes, first of all, let me just say that I think they're loyal because they really need and want people to be loyal back to them. So it's like they will show up to help you build your barn. And what's the expectation? Of course, that when they have a barn that needs help, that you'll go help them build their barn. That's what community is. Community is a very six thing, you know. Um, community. Com seeing yourself as a part of a community. The core concern of the loyal, the mid-level six, is safety, belonging, and being able to trust. 
and again, I've I've learned over the the years that in the Enneagram is that the very thing we seek in life in our type is what we bring in our health. So when you think about a six wanting to feel safe, wanting to feel like they belong, wants to feel like they're a part of a community that that they have people around them that they can trust. Okay, that's what sixes are seeking, right? So healthy sixes, which we'll get to in a minute, what do they bring into this world? That's exactly what they bring. They, they make you feel safe. Look, I get chills just thinking about this stuff. They, 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 they make you feel safe. They make you feel like you belong to a community. They make you feel like you, that you can trust them. And they make you feel like you're going to be protected. You're not going to be left out. You're not going to be left behind. They're going to wait on you. They're going to call you, connect with you. They're going to make sure that you feel like if there are monsters under the bed, you don't have to face them alone. They're going to be there to support you. So healthy sixes, look, you bring the very thing that you're looking for in life. It's such a fascinating concept. It's such a fascinating idea. Um, and this is true all the way around the Enneagram. So it's so fascinating. Sixes with moderate self-mastery can be insightful, clever, busy, endearing, sometimes approval-seeking, sometimes anti-authoritarian. You know, as much as sixes want a healthy authority that they think, you know, will that they can trust and believe in. Honestly, sometimes sixes can be quite anti-authoritarian. You know, I think of that music video from Twisted Sister, We're Not Gonna Take It. I know it sounds very eight, but I really think it's very six. We're not going to take it. Right, guys? Right, guys? We're not going to take it. Um, um, you know, we're not going to let anybody push us around. That's very six anti-authoritarian, brave heart, you know, kind of... Let's band together and we're not going to let those people, you know, push us over the cliff. We're going to stand up to them. Sixes are that, you know, community when they're healthy. Um, but, you know, that community could quite easily turn into a coalition, right? A coalition, which I guess has a good positive connotation, but in my mind kind of has a negative connotation like a mutiny coalition, right? So anti-authoritarian or questioning authority, at least. You know, realize that, two sixes. You might not realize that, that you're questioning, which is very six to do, questioning the teacher, questioning the politician, questioning the police chief, questioning authority. That will be seen by many people as anti-authoritarian in and of itself. When I was in seminary, uh, one of the classes, uh, we had a lot of students from an Asian country, okay? There was a lot of students from an Asian country which have a different, you know, uh, culture, different mannerisms, different uh, ways of expressing ideas and all of that. I noticed that in those seminary classes that those Asian students, when they would first arrive to the United States, they never asked questions, never. They never raised their hand, they never spoke up, here we were, you know, the American students laughing, talking, asking questions. Um, I want to say debilitating, but that's not the right word. <laughs> collaborating, debilitating. <laughs> Some of us were debilitating. Uh, we were collaborating in our class and, you know, even challenging the professor on different ideas and topics and all that. Asian students, quiet, silent. 
Now, the ones that had been in the States longer and they were on their third or fourth course, they might venture out and ask a question. But everybody just thought, well, they're very quiet. They're very, maybe they're shy, you know. But you would notice that on our breaks, you know, they, they, they might be up at the, uh, the desk talking to the professor quietly, you know, almost apologetically. One of our missions professors um, in, the, in the doctoral program was talking about this very issue. And, you know, of course, he's a missions professor, so his subject is other cultures. And how he described it, I thought was fascinating. He said, in, in Asian cultures, um, if you question the professor or question the teacher publicly, then it signifies in their mind one of two things. Either one, everybody else understood the concepts, but there's something wrong with me. I need it to be repeated and explained because I'm not as bright as the other students. So can I ask a question so you can help me because I'm not as bright? Or the other thing is, you're not doing a very good job as a professor. Um, you need to explain yourself more thoroughly because you're not making sense. I need to question you to to help you explain yourself more clearly because what you're saying isn't isn't jiving with what I with with with, with my experience. And so both of those, you know, have a negative connotation. And so um, realize as sixes, you know, you're just trying to get to the bottom of things. You're just trying to understand. You're just trying to make sense of things. You just want to make sure you're on the right side so that the ground doesn't open up and asteroids don't fall on you. But all of that questioning that you might be inclined to do and think, no, I'm helping everybody else. I'm helping them. They, they're, whatever reasons, I, they just sit there. They don't ask questions. I don't know what's wrong with them, but I need to clarify this. I need to realize that as helpful as that is, in some settings, you might be perceived as being a problem. You might be perceived as being anti-authoritarian. Like you've got some kind of you know, uh, issue with just accepting information from the professor. I think like a five wing four, you know, they might uh, think, why are you arguing with me? I just showed you all the facts. And a six would think, you know, well, anybody can come up with facts. I mean, who decided? Who did these studies? Who funded this research? See, that's a very six-five way to think. Who funded? Who's behind this research? What are they not telling you? Why did they ask these questions and not those questions? And so I think sixes look at objective facts of the five, like with a little bit of suspicion, like, well, you know, you can kind of skew your data um, any way you want to make it say whatever you want it to say. And a five might look at that and think, you're just having a problem. You, you know? <laughs> okay, so let's let's press on. Um, alternating between trusting and distrusting. Look at that. Sixes are hot and cold. They are sweet and sour. They are mild and spicy. Um, I think I told you this in one of my other videos. I don't remember, but my daughter Olivia, that's a six. Um, about a month or two ago, I noticed that when I would eat chocolate that I started like coughing and I don't know, maybe 
maybe I'm getting fat and I, I, don't, I need to quit eating chocolate. But I, I said something to my family. I was like, I think every time I eat chocolate, it's like making me cough. I don't know what's going on. So I, I'll quit eating chocolate for a while. Well, about three or four weeks went by. And I thought, oh, you know, I haven't had chocolate in a long time. I wonder if it's still bothering me. Because it seems like from time to time things just bother you and then they don't. I don't know why. So I reached up and grabbed a couple of pieces of chocolate and I started to open them. And Olivia comes running up to me. Dad, don't eat the chocolate. Please, Dad, don't eat it. Dad, no, don't eat the chocolate. Remember, you were coughing. Dad, don't eat the chocolate. Don't eat it. And of course, I popped the chocolate in my mouth. And then immediately she says, good. I hope you get sick. I hope you can't breathe. I hope you start coughing. I hope you choke. Now that is very sick stuff. I'm for you. Please don't do this. I'm on your team. We're, we, we, we need each other. Oh, you're not going to listen to reason? Well, fine. It's on you then. Uh, against you. Fight you. I'm for you. I'm against you. And in my mind, at least, that's very sick kind of stuff. Um, I'm your best friend. I will never turn my back on you. I will support you no matter what. I think the Apostle Peter might have been a six. He said all those things, you know, to Jesus. And then when the rooster crowed, oh, I don't know the man. I don't know him. I, I you know, and I think uh, if a six gets the inclination that maybe you're not going to be loyal to them, um, they might turn on a dime. And I think the reverse is true as well. If the six you know, is against you and you have a direct conversation with them and say, hey, look, looks like we've gotten off to the wrong start. And look, I'm really sorry for what I said. And I just want you to know that that I, I apologize. I was wrong. And I want us to be friends. That six might turn right back around and say, great, everything's back. We're together again. I'm, I'm your best friend. I'll be your best friend. I think Sixes are like that. They, okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, okay? Correct me if I'm wrong. But I think some other types, they just kind of blacklist people and done. You know, the door swings one way, and once you prove yourself, I'm done with you. And I think sixes might talk like that sometimes. But I think in actuality, like if you apologize and try to make things right with them, my my experience is is they're going to they're going to extend the hand of friendship they may not trust you okay that's different they may still look at you with some suspicion but i think they want those connection lines to be open okay alternating between being trusting and distrusting they can be plagued by doubts and confusion sixes desire the safety that cohesive groups can provide uh but then they also sometimes fear those groups so they're longing to be a part of a group that they can trust and support and will support them. But then there's kind of something in the back of their mind that, well, I don't know that that group really has got it right. I don't know that that group. Sixes have been the people in my life as a pastor that come to me and they say, Pastor, I don't know about Christmas trees in the sanctuary. I don't know that we should be putting Christmas trees in the sanctuary. You know, they have pagan backgrounds, pagan roots. And I, and I think to myself, you know, I'm a seven. Christmas trees are great. You know, we should fill the world with Christmas trees. But I get I get what they're saying, you know. But it's like, why are we worried about this? You know, there's there's people that don't have food. There's people that, 
you know, even from a church perspective, that they don't have a Bible, they don't read a Bible, you know, they don't even come to church. And our biggest concern is there's Christmas trees in the sanctuary. And I think six is they just want to get it right. They just want to get everything right. They don't want to do it wrong. They don't want to be on the side of, of bad, you know. And so sometimes little issues can become seemingly big issues to them in their mind. Um, and the rest of us might hear it and think, oh my goodness, this is not a problem. Which I think six is if you could hear anything from, from nine, Remember, six is you go to nine, right? In health. If you could hear anything from nine, I think this is what the nine would scream at you if nine scream. This is what the nine might say to you. Hey, sixes, you know, sometimes the solution to your problem is there really isn't a problem. That thought could be a huge turning moment for, for you as a six to just think that sometimes the solution to my problem is there's no problem. You know, maybe there's just not a problem here. Maybe I'm making something into a problem. Oh, it could be a problem. I, I get it. It could be. But is it right now a problem? What if you didn't do anything? That's the, that's the thinking of the nine. If I didn't do anything, maybe it would work itself out. You know, 100 years from now, maybe it's not going to matter. Maybe if maybe the best thing I could do is not worry about it. Maybe the best thing I could do is nothing. Maybe the best thing I could do is just leave it alone. Um, now, nines, you know, can do that to an unhealthy level. That's why nines have one wing to say, get your crap done that you need to get done. But I think to the over-anxious six, that nine voice could be very helpful. You know, maybe, maybe this isn't my problem. Maybe somebody else will take care of this. Maybe it's not mine to worry about. Maybe there's nothing I could do. Maybe the best thing I could do is nothing. Um, those, are, those are not easy thoughts for you as a six, okay? They're not. You want to do something to head off, you know, um, the problem at the past. But some problems in life, you, you really are powerless. Um, and accepting that might make your life uh, and the lives of the people that relate to you a whole lot more peaceful. When you can change the situation, then by all means, you know, change the situation for the better. When you can't change the situation, then what do you have to do? This is a hard lesson for sixes and eights. When you can't change the situation and ones, then all you are left with is surrender. And choosing to surrender is a difficult choice it feels like you're doing nothing, but you're not doing nothing. You're doing something. You're surrendering. You know, waiting feels like you're doing nothing, but waiting is not doing nothing. Waiting is waiting. It is an action in and of itself, and it's hard to do. And sometimes it takes all of your strength to decide to do nothing. Wow. Okay. Um, let's look at the highest level. The highest level of the six is called the courageous one. Yeah, courageous one. Uh, the core understanding of the courageous one is meaning and support exist both inside me and outside me. Meaning and support. I would probably focus more on the support. I would. I haven't thought a lot about the meaning, but the support. I I, I see that. 
when sixes start to realize that, you know, maybe I can fight monsters. If monsters are under my bed, maybe, maybe I'm adequate and equipped to be able to deal with them when they come up. Um, so that support is within me and also external to me, around me. Maybe I'm able to meet the challenges. Maybe I'm able to sort through my own problems. I, as sixes, this is what's such a paradox to the rest of us is you are problem solvers. I would go to a six to help me solve a problem. Yet sixes, when they're in the midst of a problem themselves, sometimes feel overwhelmed by that problem when it's their own problem. They're good at solving other people's problems, but they feel sometimes like they never get to a final solution for their own problems. By the way, what's the paradox of the six? Every type has a paradox. Here it is. You say you want to be able to trust yourself and others, yet you continually second guess yourself and others and act in suspicious and accusatory ways. You say that you want to be able to trust yourself, trust your own ability to sort out your problems, and trust others, yet you continually second guess yourself. Well, I don't know. What do you think? You think that makes sense? I need to look it up again. I need to find out a little bit more information. I need to talk to grandma. What does grandma say? But you continually second guess yourself and others and act in suspicious accusatory ways. That's the paradox. Okay. So intellectual and insightful sixes with high self-mastery have learned to trust their own inner authority. Now, I think as a seven, I can only really speak as a seven. I think as a seven, I just kind of think, eh, you know, 80% is mastery. Good enough is good enough. You never know 100%. Everything, in a sense, is a little bit of a gamble, but it's probably going to work out great. Yeah, sometimes, you know, things don't always work out that way. And sometimes you get blindsided, but I would rather believe the best and every once in a while get blindsided than to always believe the worst possible and then be surprised that it worked out. And I realize as a seven, you know, I'm stuck between an eight and a six, right? Eights can be very much the worst case scenario thinkers. Um, people are against you and you need, to, you need to get them before they get you. Sixes, worst case scenario thinkers. Look how seven is put right in there to be a wingman for both of those personalities. Lighten up. That's what seven would say to eight and six is lighten up, man. Just lighten up. Why don't you believe the best? Why don't you believe that the best is going to work out? And of course, the seven needs that adultness of the eight and the caution of the six to balance out their naive, you know, child, child, childishness, childlikeness. There we go. Um, they've learned to trust their own inner authority rather than look to other people to keep them safe. As a result, they are confident, calm, resilient, and they connect with others in a deep, steady, and warm-hearted way. Man, healthy sixes, warm-hearted. Perfect word for them. The buddy, right? Six-wing seven, the buddy. Six-wing five, the defender. Um, because they have learned to trust their own inner authority, sixes with extreme self-mastery are clear and courageous. They know that they can look after themselves and that there is little in the world from which they truly need to be protected. So, doesn't that sound awesome? Maybe you're not there yet, but hey, you're on your way. You, you, you can name the dragon that it's fear, it's anxiety, it's projection, um, and, and you can start to see the path before you that 
Um, I, I want real courage, not counterphobic courage, not watch me, I'll face my fears, I'll prove I'm not scared, but real sense of peace and courage that I can sort this out, I've got enough information, um, I'm never gonna be 100% about anything, and that's okay. Uh, I'll perfectly and perfectly move forward to the next step. I'll, I'll take the next right step. I'll take the next right uh, decision. I, I, I can't think about the entire future of what might happen. It could be overwhelming. I'm just going to focus on the next right step. Um, and I'm going to trust the people in my life that say they're for me. I'm going to choose to trust them uh, until they give me reason to not trust them. I'm going to choose to not be suspicious of them. I'm going to choose to believe that I'm on their team and they're on my team. Um, I'm going to approach life in a little more lighthearted, objective way. And I'm going to try to make that connection to nine and, and be at peace. I'm, when I feel overwhelmed and stressed, I'm going to first look at my five wing and say, am I looking at things objectively? Is stuff spinning in my head? Um, is there real issues or just issues? I'm going to notice my nature is prone to spin things in my head. And then I'm going to look at my seven and say, am I being uh, overly negative here? You know, what would a seven do in this situation? What would Dick Van Dyke do in this situation? You know, am I, am I prone to looking at what the worst case scenarios and what could go wrong? What would it feel like if I just, if I just believed the best was going to happen? I might not be able to do that yet, but, but if I could start to think like that just a little bit, what, what, what's the best case scenario? Um, or if it, if it did fail, is it really the end of the world? Could I pick myself up? You know, most of the failures in life, you can pick yourself up and come back from. Obviously, the ones that, you know, make you dead, not so much. But most problems in life, you fail, you pick yourself up, you learn a lesson, you move on. Um, so how many of these things that I'm giving time, attention, and and thought to are really game enders? They might be game changers, but game changers aren't always that bad. All right. Thank you guys for joining me for this video. Sixes, we love you and um, appreciate so many of you guys in my life. And uh, I, uh, I hope that the video has been helpful to you. And as always, I would say be present to life for sixes. Be present to objective life in front of you. Um, sometimes that worst case scenario thing can, can cause you to be in a life that's not even really happening around you. Um, come back up to the surface, you know, and look at, at, look at the way things really are. And um, don't let your fears keep you from entering the next level of life or the next stage of life. Um, who knows? Maybe it'll be great. All right. See you guys. Thank you.